This morning, first of all, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 22, uh, to the book of Genesis chapter 22, and as you open your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 22, there are just a couple of scriptures that we're going to read, <clears throat> and uh, I'm not going to be long, but it's going to be good. Genesis 22, verse 15 through 17, uh, uh, let's read it together, and let's read it like we know it is the word of his power. Let's read it together now. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And he said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son. Now, this is what the first time God spoke to him. He told him, I want you to go and worship me and take your son and go on the mountain. And uh, Abraham rose early in the morning and he wasn't late for church wasn't late for worship. He rose early in the morning and he got there uh, and God, God began to speak to him a second time. And so let's read verse 17 and let's see what God told him. Let's read it together. Now, blessings I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Would you say this with me? Possessing the gate of my enemies. Praise God. Possessing the gates. That's, I tell you that that's a word. The Bible says your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about two elements that were present in the early church when uh, the ministry was formed, when uh, the, the triumph was formed, two words. And I want to introduce those two words or share those two words with you today as well because what was required then is also required now. What was required for us to get to where we were, to where we are, those same two words are going to be required uh, to get our principles from where we are to where God desires us to be or where God has promised. And so those two words are faith and expectation. Faith and expectation. What faith does is that faith does two things. Faith is either preparing you for your future or faith is taking you to your future. Faith is preparing you for your promise or faith is taking you to your promise. And so there is, must be also with faith a level of expectation. Because expectation is what brings motivation. Expectation to be expecting something would be what motivates you. And let's just kind of look at it like this. You know, as a child, or, or you remember on Christmas Day, uh, when Christmas was coming around or you had a birthday, the night before, uh, it was hard to sleep. It was difficult to go to sleep. Uh, and the reason that it was difficult for you to go to sleep, you couldn't wait until the night passed so that you can get into the morning. Why? It's because there was an expectation for what was about to happen when day came. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have a job? Okay, how many of you had a job? Now, 
The reason you get out of bed in the morning and go to that job or went to that job is not because of the job. But the reason that you got out of bed and went to the job was because of what? Was because of what? Because of what? Because of a paycheck. You had an expectation that motivated you to get out of bed. And do you know that I know some people who love their job? I know some people who, 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 who really uh, enjoys their job, but I know no one who's willing to go to a job and never get paid for what they do. So notice this, that there is a motivation. The expectation causes a motivation. And so there must be faith, but then there also must be an expectation. And so your faith is preparing you for your promise or your faith is taking you to your promise. Faith is preparing you for your future or your faith is taking you to your future. And so the space between where you are and where your faith is taking you is called process. Now, let's go back to the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Let's read it together like we know it is the word of his power. Now, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, no, notice this. In the beginning, God did what? Created. He created what? Now, in the beginning, God did two things specifically. Uh, he uh, created, he created two things specifically. He created heaven and he created earth. The word and is a conjunction that joins two things together. And one of those things are incomplete without the other thing. And so when in the beginning God created heaven and he created the earth. And so uh, God created uh, heaven and earth. It's important that we recognize this. He created heaven and earth. Why earth? Why? Because he expected heaven and earth to work together. And so when he created heaven and earth, one he created, uh, one dimension was heaven that he created and that is an invisible dimension. And then he created earth that is a visible dimension. One of them you can hold in your heart. And one you can hold in your hand. One is temporal. The other one is eternal. Uh, and, the, and the amazing thing about that is that each of those things, heaven and earth, they operate by a different set of rules. They operate by a different set of laws. They operate differently. And so what God does when he creates heaven and earth, his intention was always to get what's in heaven into the earth. His intentions, and that's so critical, his intention was always to get what is in heaven to, into the earth. And so Adam is made from dirt, what is on earth. But Adam gets his life from heaven as God breathed on him. And, and so what, 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 what God is trying to do is to get what's in heaven into the earth. God was not trying to get Adam to heaven. Because if God was trying to get Adam to heaven, rather than coming down and walking with him in the cool of the day, God would have called Adam to heaven and talked with him there. So God's uh, objective was not to get Adam to heaven but his objective was to get heaven into the earth. Now, that's always God's purpose. 
That's always his purpose. It's his purpose for heaven and earth to work together. And so what he did, that he separates heaven and he separates earth by an atmosphere called firmament. He separates heaven, he separates earth. And, and, and they, they, they operate by a different set of rules. Now, notice the separation. When he separated, the Bible tells us, even in the book of Genesis, it says that he separated the waters. The Bible says he separate, not separated day from night. And these, the, the heaven and the earth that he separated, they do operate differently. Now, we as men and women, we live in a physical world. And we live in a physical world so that we could see some level of predictability. But it's important then that we recognize that these sets of rules and laws as it relates to predictability, and I'll give you a couple of them, the law of gravity is in the earth. The, 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 the law of, uh, or let's say a principle of day and night. How about uh, a principle or a set of rules that are different of seed time and harvest. Now what's, what's important for us to recognize that although that uh, God created heaven and he created earth with a different set of rules, God is not bound by the rules that he has set on earth. Let me say that again. God is not bound by the rules that he has set on earth. Look, whenever we pray for a miracle, what we are praying is for God to break the rules on earth so that he can get what's in heaven into the earth. So God is not bound by the rules that, that have been set in, uh, on earth. And so what we recognize then is that one of the ways heaven and earth is different is that the earth has time. And God does not exist in time, but God exists outside of time. And so I want to just lay this foundation here because it's taken us somewhere. So what God does not do is he not, does not exist in time. He exists outside of time. So what God does is he stands outside of time and he looks into time. And anything that because he's outside of time, God is in a place of eternity. And in eternity, things remain unchanged. It does not have a time frame. But if he wants to change something, what God does is if he wants to change the condition of something, then he takes it and he blocks it in time. And when Satan falls, God takes him out of eternity and he puts him into time. And remember that Satan was the, the, the head cherub. He was the angel. He controlled the atmosphere in heaven. He was in eternity. But when God took him out of eternity... From the highest place, he was going to go to the lowest place because the Bible says he should be under your feet. Therefore, what we recognize then is that there is a, 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 a limitation that is present in time. And so whenever, I want you to remember this, whenever God wanted to change something, he put it in time. Because time is that place where things will change from the beginning of time to the end of time. And so the enemy knows that he has a time frame. And the reason he's so busy right now, the reason he does not sleep nor does he slumber, is because he knows that he has a time period. Remember, he, he asked Jesus, he said to Jesus, he says, that, have you come to torment us before our what? 
before our time. Why? He knows he has a time frame. And so he's busy, he's moving, he's always trying to influence the atmosphere. And so it's important then that we recognize that God made the physical life of a man terminal. Uh, it, it's temporal. Uh, it's, 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 it's made in time. And what God did is he made, he put us in time. And he gave us a time frame, which we call a span of life or a lifetime. And then God sent Jesus into time so that he can take us out in the nick of time so that he can change us for a place of eternity. And so we recognize then that the rules, the physical rules that apply in, in, in the earth does not apply to God. And so heaven and earth is supposed to work together but they do have different set of rules. And I'm going to ask you a question. I, I realize that every person in this room should be able to answer this question. Church, what is one plus one? Not to Jesus. He says, give me those two fish and five loaves of bread. Different set of rules. To Jesus, he says, hey, boys, watch me walk on water. A different set of rules. Speak to the wind. It obeys a different set of rules. Speak to the fig tree. It obeys a different set of rules. And so what I'm trying to get you to see this morning is that, see, uh, God is not subject to the laws of time. And when we are praying for a miracle, what we are doing is we're asking God to change the rules. Now, look, I believe in seed time and harvest. But sometimes you need God to step in the middle of seed time and harvest and take the time out so you can go from seed to harvest, from seed to harvest, from seed to harvest, and there is no time. You need him to change the rules. He did it for Isaac. The Bible says Isaac sowed in the year of, of drought, of famine, and he didn't wait for a season of rain. The Bible says he produced in the same year. My God. So we need God to change the rules. And what does it require? Influencing the atmosphere. It requires faith and it requires expectation. So notice this, that God can restore the years. And the only way that he can do that is he has to go outside of time. And God can, can, can give the power of years back to you. God can take what's supposed to happen in 18 years and do it in 18 days. And so that's a miracle. Would you agree? Amen. <laughs> it's a miracle where God changes the rules. And so the first thing that I want you to remember is heaven and earth are made to work in agreement. Heaven and earth are made to work in agreement. The second thing that I want you to remember is heaven and earth are separated by an atmosphere. Heaven and earth separated by an atmosphere. And if you understand that heaven and earth is separated by an atmosphere, then you can understand the importance of dominating your atmosphere. We've got to dominate the atmosphere because they can't get from heaven to earth unless the atmosphere, atmospheres match. It cannot get from heaven to earth unless the atmospheres match. Go over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Matthew 6, 10. I want you to read it together with me. 
Let's read it together. Jesus is giving them a model prayer. And it's not the Lord's prayer, but it's a model prayer. The Lord's prayer is in John 17. But he said that pray like this. Because there were some principles that he wanted us to get, right? And so in Matthew chapter 6, this is one of the uh, passages of the model prayer and what he instruct, how he instructs us to pray. Let's read it together. Now, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as... Oh my God. Your kingdom what? And your will be what? Come, let it be done. On earth as it as it is in heaven. So notice what God wants to do. God wants to get what is in heaven into the earth. And so what that tells us, that he says that as it is. And what that means is that it already exists. And when you pray and you ask God for what already exists in an atmosphere that you cannot see, you're praying and saying, God, I need what exists in the atmosphere that I cannot see to be manifested or become visible in the atmosphere that I can see. And so he created heaven and earth to work together. Would you say that with me? God created heaven and earth to work together. He created, he created an atmosphere that separated heaven and earth. Therefore, I must dominate my atmosphere. Okay, well, 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 let's take a look at that then. Atmospheres are affected by sound. Atmospheres are affected by light. You know what? You can play some music. And I tell you that you may not even like the artist, but if the music is good, you can't help but control it. If, if, if you weren't, if, if, if someone looked at you, They'd notice that you'd be patting your feet. And so if we can dominate the atmosphere, then we can get heaven down to earth. Why? It's because whoever controls the atmosphere controls the gates. And whoever controls the gates controls the stuff. And whoever controls the stuff controls the city. The Bible tells us in Genesis that God said that I'm going to bless you, I'll multiply you, and you're going to possess the gate of your enemies. And so whoever controls the gate controls the stuff. Or let's go back and say whoever controls the atmosphere controls the gates. And whoever controls the gates controls the stuff. And whoever controls the stuff controls the city. And have you ever wondered why evil enterprises, they are so heavily funded. Human trafficking isn't lacking for money. Prostitution, evil enterprises are so heavily, the drug business is so heavily funded. Why? is because Satan understands atmospheres. When he was taken from the highest place and put in the time, he did not forget the power of controlling the atmosphere. He didn't forget that. He knows where the gates are. And so the Bible tells us very clearly that uh, Jacob is, 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 is on a journey and he comes to a place and he has, a, he has a dream. He falls asleep. And in this place, when he wakes up, he says that this is the, is the house of the Lord. And I did not even know it. But then he sees a ladder that's going from heaven to earth. And he sees angels going up and angels coming down. Angels going up and angels coming down. And he recognized that the church, the house of God, the church, 
is the gate to heaven. That wherever God wants, you are the church. Wherever God wants to get into the earth, he sends it to the, through the gates. He sends it through the gates. And so the church is the gate of, of, of heaven. And, and I want to ask you this, that have you ever wondered, when you consider that, why the enemy? Why the enemy? None of the things that he wants to do are underfunded. They're overfunded. The Bible tells us that God said that we can possess the gate. And the way to possess the gate is that you've got to change the atmosphere. And by changing the atmosphere, if you control and dominate the atmosphere, you can, you can, you can possess the gate. Whoever possessed the gate possessed the stuff. Whoever possessed the stuff possessed the city. Now, when we look at that and begin to think about it, one other passage that I want you to go to, then we're going to begin to wrap it up in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We are the church. And in the church, we are the gates of heaven. Matthew 16. And let's read verse 19 together now. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus says that I will give you what? Jesus says I will give you what? He says I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, before I talk about these keys, i got to tell you how God was preparing them to change the atmosphere before he moved them into the promised land. The children of Israel spent 40 years walking around in a desert. They spent 40 years in the desert, walking and walking and walking and walking and walking and walking. And you know what happened is that they were between, between their promise and where they were at the moment, that was a process that they were going through. And they were walking and walking and walking. And as they walked, they were practicing, but they did not know it. There was a generation that came up. And this generation that came up, that, 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 that God moved them over into the promised land. But notice this, how he was going to get them their promise. By the very thing that they had been doing for almost 40 years. Je Joshua and Caleb, what? Walking. He says, now, now, now boys... And girls, before you get into this promise, what I want you to do, now it's time to possess the gate of your enemy. And what he did, he says, now I want you to walk around it. I want you to walk around these gates. I want you to walk around, and I want you to walk around, and I want you to walk. And he instructs them to walk around. But just walking around it doesn't change the atmosphere. And he says that now when the priests blow the trumpet, what I want you to do is that you got to do it all together, he says. Because if you don't do it all together, it won't have the same effect. But, but you've got to do it all together. And at the moment that the priest blow the trumpet, he says that I want you to shout. And the Bible says that that sound changed the atmosphere. And what was standing between them and their promise, that wall had to come down. Why? It's because whenever the frequency matches the frequency of another atmosphere, things have to change. Well, what do you mean? See, you can have a glass and you can have someone sing. But when it gets to a certain frequency, the glass will break. What has happened? The frequency of the sound has matched the frequency or the atmosphere of that glass. And it breaks. It destroys. See, that's why he says, shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. That's why he says, sing unto the Lord. That's why he says, make a joyful noise. Why? It's because your sound changes and influences the atmosphere that causes heaven to begin to work together 
with the earth. Why? Because God's intention was always to have what's in heaven that already exists getting to the earth. He says that I've given you the keys to the kingdom. These keys belong to Denetra. The keys have been given to Cheryl. But the keys belong to Denetra. Now, they are keys to a car that's on the outside. Now, Cheryl has the keys. And she can go outside and press a button. And the car will respond to her. Why? It's because she has the keys. Although Denetra owns the car, the car does not respond to the owner. It responds to the one who has the keys. The car is not going to respond to the title holder. The car is going to respond to the one who is possessing what gives them access to the car. Now you can take those keys and you can give them to a grandmother. You can give them to an eight-year-old. You can give them to a drug addict. It does not matter who have the keys. The car will respond to that person. Why? It's because the car responds to the keys. And although they belong to Denetra, because Cheryl has the keys, the car will respond to her. And Denetra can walk up there, and man, that car's going to go off. Why? Because she doesn't have access. And man, somebody's going to call the police on her until she can prove that she owns it. But then by that time, Cheryl's in Warden, Texas. Because the car responds to who has the keys. Now, Jesus says these words here, this, this last scripture. He says that I have the keys and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you match the atmosphere that's on earth, with the atmosphere that is in heaven, then I can change what has been bound by time. And I can cause what you have been limited in to move you a place where I change the rules so that you can prosper. And he says these words. And so look, I'm telling you that there are so many things that the believer has access to. But they only work if you use the key. They only work if you're willing to change the atmosphere. Do you know what? If there is not a revival, a change in Sugarland, in Richmond, in Rosenberg, in, 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 in uh, our general area, in Fort Bend County, if there's not a change in our city, it is not God's fault. It's not the fault of the enemy. But it's the one who he has given the keys so critical with faith and expectation that we use the key and we begin to change the atmosphere with sound, change the atmosphere with light. And what's standing between you and your promise has to fall. Why? It's because the frequency that has been released from your mouth begins to match the frequency that's in heaven. And God caused the very thing that's been standing in the way to fall. He causes acceleration. He causes rules to be changed. And what he could do in 18 years, he can do in 18 days. By faith.